of touchdowns and a lot of depression of course i am natter what is going on sleeper nation you know after a wild weekend of maybe about seven missed field goals in a row huge big plays derrick henry just going off on everybody and then uh you know just some heartbreak finishes of course i am alongside the number one australian analyst sheen how are you over there i'm good man i'm here in the home of the nfl london england north london I could see, well, I can see Tottenham Stadium from, uh, from the roof of the building. We saw the Jets fly over the building, the Jets fly over the stadium before uh, the game on Sunday, and then just up the road from where we are now, Coldplay are shooting a, uh, a music video. So it's all happening here in North London, home of the NFL. You know what? I could believe it. And after the Falcons and Jets game, I, I kind of wish to myself, you know, an hour of sleep would have been kind of nice instead. Uh, I, I missed the first half because I decided to do my shopping instead. I thought I, I could live without having seen that. And for about 20 minutes, the game looked like it was about to be competitive. The Jets couldn't do anything. They couldn't move the ball. The Falcons, I don't know, maybe if I missed the best of them, but they, they didn't impress me either. But I don't know really what I was expecting. So uh, this week we have Jacksonville and Miami, which who knows, that is also a game of football. So way to grow the game internationally, uh, sending us basically your trash. I, I, they really need to send the Chiefs over there. They need to send the Buccaneers, the Pan, not the Panthers, the Ravens. They, they need to send a big name team, the Packers. They, they need to send a franchise with some history, get people going over there, get people juiced up. Like I know quarterback, they got a lot of drama going on over there, but you know the Miami Dolphins and Jacksonville Jaguars, that's not going to get a lot of people's heads turning. A 1-4 team and an 0-5 team aren't going to grow the game internationally. I know there's some money to be made in America with, with revenue, ticket sales and all that. But man, that's just not exciting. I suppose it's good because there are a lot of Jets fans over here and there are obviously a lot of Jags fans over here. I think anecdotal evidence will tell you you see more Blake Bortles jerseys at an NFL game than probably anywhere else outside of, um, I suppose, references to him on the good place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would be good to have some, some premium teams over here. The two games I went to in 2016, they're both shutouts. New Orleans shut out Miami. I saw uh, the Rams shut out the Cardinals. At least last year, or last time they played games over here, we had the Panthers and Bucks, which was an interesting game, if not one for the the history books. So you never know who's going to show up for a good game, I suppose. And and maybe this will be this will be a bit more exciting than uh, than last week's. Mm-hmm. But of course, last week, last weekend, it was filled with entertainment and exciting you know we were talking about before the pre-game before the show we were talking about our fantasy leagues and how they went and uh, i mentioned to you i had three different leagues where i was up by you know one of them i was up by 20 i was up by 30 and another one i was up by 40 and three of those leagues the opponent only had mark andrews left only mark andrews and i came away losing of course two of those leagues and the third one where i was up by 40 i think i came up up 0.06 so it went from being a phenomenal weekend where I think I won almost every single one of my weeks to almost a disastrous weekend. I was on the plus side of uh, Mark Andrews in a game where I needed a Monday Night Miracle, so that was positive. But I think I lost two or three matchups on the strength of that touchdown Eckler scored where the Browns just pulled him into the end zone. They were narrow matchups, and I think that probably made the difference in the end. Uh, so I was a bit annoyed, and I, I hope, you know, I wish those people who won with Eckler, one of them won the signed jersey this week. So it, it wouldn't all be to, for waste. I suppose. In one of those leagues, uh, I put up 
in standard, this is standard scoring, by the way. I put up 170. Whoa. I lost because the guy put up 180. That hurts. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think it was. That, that really hurts. You, you know, in standard, usually I kind of have a rule. Like, if you put up 100 points in standard, then you had a decent week. Yep. Because 100 points in standard is a little bit difficult. So anything after that, then you can't complain about how your team performed. Yep. You say, okay, my team performed well. And if my opponent does better, there's nothing I can do about it. You, you can't really complain after that. And so when you put up like 120 in standard, 130 in standard, you're thinking, man, my team is really going off. So when you put up like something 170, you think to yourself, wow, th- there's no possible way I could ever lose. And unfortunately, I went against Derrick Henry, Najee Harris. I went against... Big guy. Antonio Brown, I went against, I think, Tom Brady. I think I went against in the same league. Uh, the, he had another running back that went absolutely off on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, we were going blow for blow. Swift? No, I had Swift, I had Eckler, and I had Chubb. I had uh. all three of those. And then, you know, he had the other remaining running backs that absolutely blew off also. So, you know, it, it, it was a great week. Uh, or, you know, it was a good matchup. Yep. It, it went blow for blow. But uh, unfortunately, I caught myself on the losing end on that one. The league where I was 4-0, I lost to an 0-4 guy in a very close matchup. And uh, we're good mates, so that one stings a little bit more, sadly. But uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, you know, let's not look into the rearview mirror. Let's look at what's ahead this week. Uh-huh. And uh, tell, us what, tell us what we've got in the show tonight. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the not, to- the not Top 10. I really like this segment because, one, we get to talk about the top players. We get to talk about their matchups. And we get to talk about... People that, you know, we would like to see have better games, bigger games than what we anticipate happening than rather than the people that are typically in the top 10. And it's a good it's a really good way to talk about starts and sits without sitting there and talking about starts and sits in a very boring manner. I really like that segment. Of course, we're going to also be talking about our justifiable overreactions. And then we got our two minute drill moving on to the next week. So I'm going to leave the floor to you, Sheehan, and let's hear it. Let's do it. Well, before we get into justifiable overreactions, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Sleeperwire Show. Chuck us a few bucks on Patreon, patreon.com slash Sleeperwire. So never miss any of the articles, podcasts, and live shows with any of our awesome team. You'll never miss Start Sits, Waivers, Best Bets, Mail Sack, The Blitz, all of these shows. That's where you, that's where you get the updates. Plus, you'll, you'll see some, some of me and Natter. But enough promoting ourselves. Let's talk justifiable overreactions. So... Saints are on bye this week, but Michael Thomas is due to come off the pup list this week as well. But he's played his last snap for New Orleans. No, no, I'm not going that sort over. I, I think that is an overreaction. Yep. I think they. I, I think the Saints will want to see what that offense looks like with Michael Thomas, with uh, you know, uh, Kamara, with Teddy Bridgewater before making any decisions on how the future of the team is going to look. I think it might look a bit different with Bridgewater. Jameis Winston's their quarterback at the moment. Sorry, sorry. Jameis Winston. That's what I meant. I meant to say Jameis Winston. Sorry about that. I'd be interested to see how Jameis gels with Slant Boy Uh uh, because obviously he got that nickname because that's how Breeze was playing with him. Um, we maybe will see him open up a bit more down the field. I think it's going to be good news for Eckler. Eckler? Eckler. Yeah, we're both both in good form here. (laughs) We're both in great form. Kamara, not Eckler. I don't think he's necessarily played his last snap, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish the season in another team's colors. I wouldn't be unsurprised because right now I think there's a lot of high quality teams that really need another elite wide receiver that they could really use and they could probably poach off the Saints. Yep. I don't want to say the Saints are rebuilding, but I think they realize they're probably not winning the Super Bowl this year, and maybe they could use a first-round draft pick for Michael Thomas, because I think that's what it's going to take in order to poach him off the Saints. 
I think so too. And if you're competing or you feel like you're in that window, let's say it's the Bills, let's say it's the Chargers for some reason, a bit of cap space that they want to make a, ch- make a charge, as it were, for the playoffs, then he would be an asset to that team. Uh, you know your first round pick's going to be late. And I, th- I think the Saints would be happy to do business. There are a few, more than a few pieces away from competing. And I think um, Michael Thomas is maybe a, maybe a salary they would like to get off their books. Now, overreaction number two, Kadarius Tony is this year's Justin Jefferson. If he's not punching anybody in the face, then yes. That is the dumbest thing in football, punching a man with a helmet on. Now, I think it's one of the biggest flex. Like, you know, helmets are hard and they hurt. And if you could do that and you come on, you know, unshaken, unscathed, it's like, man, I don't want to go against them. I knew you'd be pro helmet punching. As soon <laughs> you know, as I saw it happen, I thought, we're going to talk about this week. And now it's going to be like, you know what? I love the guy now. Yeah. You know, I know you hated him. And I thought that was one of the most questionable draft picks in the draft. And you know what? Now I think it's perfect. I think it's great. And I 100% applaud the Giants for doing so. I think there is, you know, an, an amount of egg on a lot of faces, not just ours. Uh, I still stand by the fact that Kadarius Tony's a knucklehead. Uh, I think punching someone in the helmet goes to, to show that. But this week, uh, in case you missed it, he had 13 targets, uh, 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards. And he was the wide receiver four without scoring a touchdown. And uh, I expect more to come, especially with the injuries that's going on with the current Giants roster. Yeah, I, um, well, they might get Shepard back, which is a worry. Uh, but with Kenny G going down, Saquon going down, I think we might even see him out of the backfield a little bit. They're going to have to get creative out there. And uh, of course, by the time the show comes out, I think waivers would have calm, can't come and gone so uh, i'm curious to see how the backfield shakes up for the giants and how people's fantasy roster shake ups now i've put in bits on tony uh, well i got him last week in a few leagues i uh, i was glad to to say that i got him in a few but i've put in bids in the ones where i didn't uh, and I, i'm looking forward to having him on my roster especially as a guy who i was not that keen on mm-hmm. would you rather have giants backup running back his name eludes me booker yeah booker the chiefs backup Oh, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Man, I'm terrible with names right now. Yeah, stick with us tonight, listeners. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that. I was going to have a, ask you a similar question. I would rather Daryl Williams than Devontae Booker. Can I get a reason? Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Sorry. I, I No, that's okay. I think Williams has got more touchdown upside. Uh, I know that the Chiefs notoriously don't run the ball in the red zone, but Daryl Williams is a better short yardage back than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The Chiefs have Washington this week and the Giants have the Rams so likely the Giants are obviously going to be playing from behind but I think they're kind of both just a guy so go for the better offense mm-hmm. I'm gonna to have to agree and I also think Saquon might be back after a week or two we might see Edwards Alaire he's out for at least three because he's on IR that is true how much fab would you be putting for Booker I know fab is kind of the rage now well, we're now week six, so you have to start spending your uh, fab strategically because you've got bye weeks where you might need to fill in. I think maybe 15% of your remaining fab for Booker or 20 for Williams. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I put 10% in one league for Alex Collins yep. because I was going against the Chris Carson owner, so I kind of tried playing keep away off of him Yep. Uh, to, to make sure I kind of take away a potential starter off of him. Uh, it worked out. I don't know if he was actually trying to get him, but uh, I ended up picking him up. And Chris Carson has a neck injury. I felt like I have more, a little bit more potential on a rest of year starter on Alex Collins than I would with a, a another running back. But of course, that's going to be uh, a discussion for a different time. Yeah, I think that was a, a really smart pick. I think Collins has potential to be a, a really good bye week fill-in mm-hmm. um, over the next few weeks and potentially a, a starter for the rest of the season. 
I'm not concerned. I suppose the other thing about, I guess as we put a bow on this conversation, I'm not so concerned about Gary Brightwell, who is notionally third on the depth chart in New York, uh, taking snaps off Booker. But do you see, if you miss out on those two guys, would you be going for Jet McKinnon as maybe a better fit in that Chiefs offense? You know, he's basically the same thing as Daryl Williams. I, I'm i not interested in Jet McKinnon. He couldn't be productive in a Shanahan offense where he was getting a bulk of carries, bulk of pass catching ability. I'm not going to place my bets on him being productive in the Chiefs offense. He's going to get some catches. He's going to get some touches. Don't get me wrong. I just don't recommend him going inside your fantasy lineup. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, let's have, let's have a look here. The Chiefs did sign a running back today. Do you know who it is? Uh, I do not, but I could take a guess that it's probably like Todd Gurley or something. Well, I'll get you excited because it's uh, a Mr. Gore, a certain running back. It is... It's not Frank Gore. It is 26-year-old running back Derek Gore. Oh, oh he, he, he was in the preseason and he was actually killing it in the preseason, so... You know what? He'd be a pretty good fit for that offense. Yeah. If you've got a deep roster, I think have a look at him. I'm mildly interested in McKinnon. I'm not dropping anyone for him, but if you have a spot in your roster uh, because you've done a two for one or you miss out on both those guys, Williams and uh, and Booker, and you need an option, I think you could do worse than Jet McKinnon. That is true. There's a lot worse than Jet McKinnon. Mm, Right. Third overreaction. Neither DK Metcalf nor Tyler Lockett will have a wide receiver one finish till Russell Wilson is back cooking after his finger injury. I wouldn't call it an overreaction, but I think it up. Do you call it a justifiable overreaction? Yeah, it's, it's justifiable. It's justifiable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We've we've got one this week. That's what we want to see. Yeah, that's, uh-huh. There we go. I was going to... I sort of played around with the wording of this one a bit. How are you feeling? Obviously, I'm sure you want both of them to just piss off and never come back to the NFC West. Is this the end of the road for Wilson and Carroll in Seattle? No. Wilson... Uh, where, where can Russell Wilson go? There are a lot of teams that have already a franchise quarterback or invested in a younger franchise quarterback to the point where it, it doesn't make feasible sense for them to invest in somebody like Russell Wilson. And right now, there's no coach out there with potential or history that says they're better than Pete Carroll. And it would be very stupid and unwise of the Seahawks to let go of Pete Carroll. And I think it would be very stupid and unwise for the Seahawks to let go of Russell Wilson. Hypothetical scenario, Mark Davis comes knocking on Pete Carroll's door and says, come and work for me. Come and give me my haircuts. You come into Las Vegas to retire. Please, please the haircuts part. <laughs> yep. Well, I think he, I think there's some some low key Raider vibes with with Pete Carroll. He he would fit. I'd give him that. He would fit in Las Vegas. I can't see Wilson going anywhere else. I'm just looking down the list of teams here and going, well, okay. If Big Ben leaves the Steelers, there are maybe maybe the Colts, maybe the Saints. But even then, you're sort of squinting to figure Texans, Packers, football team, maybe. But I don't know why they'd pay him up. So I think Wilson stays. I think Carroll goes. Yeah. Ah, I don't think either of them happen. Yep. I mean, I I think they both stay, I mean. Yep. But I think Carroll has a bigger chance of leaving. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Now, we've seen the rise of tight end premium leagues, but are we going to start to see attacks on quarterback rushing yards in coming seasons in fantasy football? I don't know how you would possibly do that. And I think you need to keep rushing yards untaxed. One, this isn't California. We don't do taxation here. <laughs> but there needs to be value for running quarterbacks. And there needs to be a priority list. You you already had, you know, Tom Brady's out there, the Aaron Rodgers out there throwing for five, six touchdowns a game. And they got their rules taxed 
for you know six point per touchdown to four point per passing touchdown and of course you know rushing touchdowns say the same because there needs to be a reason to have a rushing quarterback there needs to be a reason to have a passing quarterback and typically what ends up happening is passing quarterbacks just you know of course they just pass more and they throw more touchdowns than running quarterbacks and running quarterbacks niches is they run more rather than pass but unfortunately you know a rushing quarterback doesn't rush for 300 yards a game a passing quarterback does so it makes sense that there is an equalizer to make sure that they're equal but the touchdown and the rushing value still always has an edge over passing touchdowns so i I mean the the taxes you're drafting that quarterback in the third second fourth round not necessarily in the seventh eighth ninth round i think that's the tax that you're gonna have to pay for taking a rushing quarterback i uh i totally agree with you i i think keep it the same i would go potentially if you're looking to even it out back to six point touchdowns but for me i think we'll see more of it i think we'll see um rushing yards start to be whatever it is maybe a 10 percent, maybe a 25 percent tax on top of it or what we the points we see now but i think we're starting to get more complex it seems like a scott fishbowl rule but you're probably not going to see it in a home uh-huh now now in my very competitive home league you know uh i don't do these like public yahoo leagues i only do like ones that are usually competitive with known people known players in, in a home league that is ultra competitive uh we, we we reverted it back to six point per passing touchdown in order to give passing quarterbacks a little bit more value a little bit more of an edge and a niche that you aren't completely screwing over your team forcing yourself to take a rushing quarterback yep it's five in my home league mm-hmm. that's which um, is it which is a very fair value. Yep. There are some other, I suppose, funky funkiness to it, but it is, it's five point touchdowns. Anyway, last one for this week. Urban Meyer will not be on the plane back from home from London and will be sleeping on my couch instead. No, no, that's, ju- that's justifiable. I could see it. I think I think so as well, and I don't think this is going to be because he's going to be drinking at uh, Ye Olde Urban Meyer's pub in South Bank here. I think he's uh, potentially it's a, a one way trip for Urban. So you're saying he's going to get fired after the game? I think I think he doesn't get on the plane. Okay, at least uh, he doesn't doesn't coach another game. The Jags have bye after this week. I think if they're going to make a change, this is the week to make it. And if they're going to make a change at the end of the season, why not make it now? You're rebuilding. And you have to find somebody better. I mean, they'll get Daryl Bevel in. Eh, that doesn't... I think he's the, he's their, their OC now. He's not necessarily better, but it saves the acrimonious divorce at the end of the season. You can start finding the right candidate for next year now. Frees up Meyer to go and do something else. Takes away from just the, the total distraction of this guy. Right now, I don't think Myers can go back to college. I think you have to wait two years before you take another college job so right now i think urban myers is stuck in the nfl until otherwise plus uh, there's been bigger scandals right now washington football team has the biggest scandal in the history of nfl right now and nobody's even talked about it so if if myers can get through this i think uh and the washington football team can get through whatever they're going through urban myers should be able to get through what he's doing I don't think Washington are going to get through what they're going through. I think we're going to see more heads roll out of this than just old John Gruden. Uh, We'll see. I I think John Gruden, while what he did was terrible, disgusting, I think he might be a scapegoat. I think it's a nice distraction from a few other things that are going on. You got to remember, this is um, you know what? I'm not even going to go into uh, the the litany of issues with the Washington Football Team. We're not going to do it justice, and it's not going to help your fantasy team for us to tell you they are a bunch of C next Tuesdays. All (laughs) righty, but. What you can tell us about is a bunch of great players. Tell us who's uh, tell us how the not the top ten works, and then uh, let's let's talk some ball. All right. So in the not top ten right now on the Fantasy Pros website on the current rankings page, the expert consensus rankings. I have the top ten 
for each position. Right now, we're looking at running back, wide receiver, quarterback, and tight end. And of course, if you want to see my expert rankings, of course, you can go on there, search my name, Nader, N-A-D-E-R, and you could find my rankings in case you want something specific. Because I know flexes and wide receiver two, wide receiver three starts, they're can be oh so difficult. And if you want to see my rankings on how I rate and of course expect them to perform, you can check there if it helps you with your starts and sits. But of course, right now on there, I have the top 10 for all the positions on the field. And what we're going to be doing is talking about who belongs and who does not and who we expect to have a top 10 performance and who in the top 10 do we expect to falter down. So of course, right now we are starting in the running backs and we have Derek Henry, of course, number one, surprisingly climbing up the rankings for our experts is Austin Eckler. He's number two and Zeke having his resurgence is ranked currently at number three. We have Jonathan Taylor at four. He's going against Houston, so I understand why he is up there. Aaron Jones in Chicago, Nick Chubb against Arizona, Najee Harris against Seattle, James Robinson in Miami, DeAndre Swift against Cincinnati, and in number 10, Antonio Gibson against Kansas City. So Sheehan, I'm going to start it off with you. Who do you think out of the 10 does not belong? Well, I was about to say to you, do you just want to tell us who you think should be in the top 10 instead of Antonio Gibson? Oh, <laughs> I know you wanted to go there, but the problem with Antonio Gibson is how touchdown dependent he is. Yep. The solution to that is scoring touchdowns, obviously, and he's been doing that. So it is difficult to sit there and go, oh, he doesn't deserve to be in the top 10 because he has been playing top 10 like. Now, if Christian McCaffrey is playing, he's going in the top 10. And then, of course, that's going to have to push Antonio Gibson out of the top 10. But I have to say I'm a little skeptical on him playing. I don't think he will. I think Carolina will be uh, conservative with him. The names that jump out to me that could be in that top 10 mix, if we're going to start to whittle people down, Joe Mixon. Of course. Playing the Lions this week. Miles Gaskin against the Jags. We saw what he did last week uh, through the air. We might see him again, have a, a similar kind of hybrid position performance. You've got Daryl Henderson versus the Giants. And and maybe this one's always, nah, the, the Gordon and Williams are splitting too much time against the Raiders. You're right, McCaffrey. I wonder who... If with Delvin Cook, if he plays, or Alexander Mattison, if he plays, might be one. Provided it's one and not the other, or sorry, I should say, provided it's one and not both, I think they could potentially be uh, top ten running backs. But I guess because we've got the bye weeks, there's no one here that jumps out as a definite shouldn't be in the at least the top ten conversation for me. Mm-hmm. And right now, I, I tried hitting Control F and looked for Cordell Patterson because. Uh... He might be needed some top 10 discussion, but I do not think they're playing this week as I am. No, they're on bye. Yeah, they're on bye. And that kind of made me go, ah, I thought he would be a good name to sneak into the top 10 the way he's been playing. But right now, I am going to agree. Daryl Henderson against the Giants. It's not the best matchup. The Giants typically do have good run defense, but it is a Sean McVay offense. You never want to disregard Daryl Henderson. Joe Mixon, I am going to agree. I think he needs to be put in the top 10. The only problem is you got to take somebody out. Yep. DeAndre Swift does not leave me with confidence. Why not? He's done nothing but perform. Yes, but you're relying on the offense giving him touches and forcing the ball to him. Cincinnati are giving up 25.8 fantasy points per game to the position. That's 19th best uh, in the league. Also, the, the 19th most points in the league, if you, if you want to say that way. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with Swift as just part of this offense. He's going to get catches. He's going to run the ball. I think he's going to punch one in at least. So for me, it's kind of Gibson, maybe Najee Harris, but he's seeing a lot of targets. 
I want to take Jonathan Taylor out of the top 10. But against Houston. I know. I know. I don't like it. And I don't like seeing Jonathan Taylor that high up at number four. Jonathan Taylor, I haven't written my article for this week, so I can't tell you if it's still the truth. But certainly coming into last week, he led the league in rushing attempts inside the red zone and hadn't scored a touchdown. We know he scored a long one Monday night, but potentially, I, I could see a big game. You know, Houston's, Houston's a, they're kind of, let's say feisty on defense, mm-hmm. but these are two teams that know each other well. Divisional game, Carson Wentz still not moving all that well. I think it's, I think Jonathan Taylor is a fairly safe bet. I think if you want to talk about a guy who we might not see in this top 10 from a bit higher up, well, two, Ezekiel Elliott against New England. Although New England haven't been great against the run this year. Uh, the kind of the linebackers are, are a bit old. But Aaron Jones, we, there are some weird mm-hmm. things going on with his workload here. And I could easily see him having a, you know, 10 carry for 40 yards and no touchdown game. Our handsome little friend LaFleur has said that AJ Dillon needs more touches, needs more catches. That and he is playing way too well to not be on the field. That is a little bit scary. And we saw him on the field a lot over the weekend during their game against the Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while watching Red Zone and while watching Dylan on the field, I was receiving a couple of texts from a buddy who was a newly Aaron Jones owner. And, you know, when you newly take Aaron Jones, you realize he doesn't play as much as you think. He's just ultra efficient with it. And unfortunately, when you're not ultra efficient at the time, your fantasy production takes a significant nosedive. And I'm afraid that happened for Aaron Jones right now, and especially going into the year. Yeah, and the, he's playing the Bears, who aren't the worst rushing defense. They, they're the ninth best against the rush this year. They're, they're conceding, well, they're sort of middle of the road, 4.5, 4.15 yards per carry, 20 points to, to running back. So I think if that's a committee, we could easily see Aaron Jones. In fact, I'm going to say Aaron Jones, not a top 10 running back this week. Yeah, I was going to, I was just about to lead off with that. I think Aaron Jones needs to be taken off the list. And I think I would much rather have Joe Mixon in the top 10. Yep. They're playing the Lions. They're the, the fourth worst, 30 points per game. Six touchdowns, that's the most in the league. Yeah, if you're playing against Detroit, you got to find yourself a way into the top 10. So, you know, I w- what I would like to do is I would like to take Aaron Jones out and then shift everybody else on top up one slot. Yep. And then Joe Mixon's number 10. Yep, that works for me. Now, oh no, go ahead. Because I'm looking at the top 10 right now. I'm looking at it and I, I, I can't find a flaw where I don't like it. Jonathan Taylor, I mean. There's no one egregious, is there? There's, there's no, n- n- nothing that I don't like. Jonathan Taylor, yes, I don't like it. But at the same time, do I think Nick Chubb's going to do better than Jonathan Taylor? I'm questionable on that. Do I think Najee Harris is going to do better? I don't think so. James Robinson, I don't think so. Swift, I really don't think so either. That leaves Jonathan Taylor stuck at number four. I think we could flip-flop somebody like Derrick Henry and Zeke or uh, Eckler off. But realistically, at that point, does it necessarily matter that much? No. That's it. I mean, if you've got, let's say you've got four of these players on your roster, you are starting all four of them. Exactly. So it, it doesn't matter if they're the, the RB1 or the RB10, you're going to start them. Which could be possible. I know in a league, I own Eckler and Chubb and Swift. So I, right now, I own three running backs in the top 10. You know, you could have Derrick Henry and Eckler, that, which is totally plausible. I've got Robinson and Swift, same team, drafted. I mean, you could, you could, have, you could have pulled a trade here or there to, to align this. Have you got the rankings in front of you that go a bit deeper? Is there any name from, I guess, further back on the list who you think might have potential for a top 10 week here? Right now, as I look at it, 
Leonard Fournette against Philadelphia. Yep. Leonard Fournette looks like he is completely taken over that role. Yep. And rightly so. He's been playing very well, very efficient. Kareem Hunt can sneak his way in with a couple touchdowns or with a touchdown into the top 10 against Arizona. I know him and Nick Chubb, they both split duties. Uh, It's Nick Chubb's role, but Kareem Hunt just plays way too well to not be on the field to the point where, yes, he's going to get his carries. He's going to get his red zone work. He's going to get his touches. Uh, he, He could sneak his way in there. Zach Moss, he has been playing very well to the point where he could sneak his way in there. Uh, Damien Williams, now, of course, starter for Chicago. He could sneak his way in as well. Now, I'm curious to know on your opinion on Damien Harris right now. He's 17th going against Dallas. I have been saying for the last couple of weeks, I think it's about to be Ramondre Steven season. Harris... Harris has one or two runs a week where he looks really good, and he just looks like a liability at other times. Mm-hmm. So you're not interested in him going high up on this list? Not not really. I think New England gets shat on this week. I think this is going to be similar to Tampa Bay, where they just, they're not going to run the ball. For whatever reason, they're just not going to run the ball. And if they, is, they are, it's going to be the other bloke. And what about Miles Gaskin? Yeah, Gaskin's interesting. Um, obviously, the, the Jags are not much of a team. I could see Latavius Murray. So the Chargers currently giving up the most yards per carry in the league. I could see Latavius Murray sort of getting into the end zone two or three times. Yes. Now, one time he should have gotten into the end zone. Lamar Jackson took it himself, fumbled the ball on the one yard line. And then we had our little infamous backward forward pass. Yep. Go on. I mean, technically, technically the refs are right. That was a forward pass. It happened backwards, but it still went forward. I mean, I guess it works out that way. That's the rule. You follow it. If that's the way the cookie crumbles, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But Miles Gaskin, I kind of want to put in the top 10 against Jacksonville. As long as he gets the usage that he did last week, then he could be definitely in top 10 discussion. He had a, a big boy week, didn't he? Um, Jags have given up eight touchdowns to running backs. I mean, playing against Derek Henry will do that. But that's that's the most in the league. But we saw uh, Gaskin had 10 catches and 10 targets. They were playing catch-up most of the day. I don't know if he's going to have that workload, but it's it's promising to see him. It's promising to see him involved in the passing game. I don't think Miami are really a run-first team this year. I'm a little bit questionable on why they're not. I think they can run the ball very efficiently. But if if that's how he's going to get his fantasy points, then I'm all for it. Now, Miles Sanders has been immensely interesting. And when I say interesting, he's been immensely disappointing and very dis- <laughs> depressing to put in your starting lineup. It's not, it's not like Kenneth Gainwell is also killing and lining up the scoreboard to the point where you're like, oh, you know, it's because Gainwell's getting all the touches. But no, I mean, while he is taking some, Miles Sanders is still the lead back on that roster. But I mean, he, he's just not doing anything. No team gives up more catches to the running back position than the Buccaneers, which is more interesting for me for Gainwell. That's going to be a game they, I think they try and play from behind. I got no interest in Sanders. I think now you have to officially take him off your starting lineup. Yep. I think he lost his flex role. I think he has to sit on your bench bench until proven otherwise. Until they have a philosophy change on that offense where they run the ball. Until he's catching or catching passes. Sorry. Or if Gainwell gets injured at this point right now, I don't think Miles Sanders can enter your starting lineup with confidence. Yep, I'm with you. I'm glad I don't have him anyway. He is touchdown dependent, but he's not scoring touchdowns to make you think, oh, yeah, he might actually do so because he's not scoring any. So James Conner, yeah, as of right now, if I have James Conner on my lineup, I would start him over Miles Sanders. Yep. Conner's been, Connor's been good. He's been reliable. Um, reliable. Touchdown dependent, but so is Zach, Morris, Zach Moss, and they're basically in the same role. Mm-hmm. Now, Zach Moss in, I think, standard put up nine fantasy points. 
and he did not see the end zone against the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs, uh, I do want to point out, the Chiefs are statistically one of the worst defenses I think we've seen in the modern era, which is why I, I think Antonio Gibson needs to stay in the top 10. Just a quick side note. And of course, the Washington defense going against Kansas City, that is too juicy of a matchup, which, in which you're, you're starting Miles Gaskin anyway. He could be playing against the uh, best rush defense in the NFL that allowed five points a game at most to a running back. You're still starting him. Anyway, so it's very stupid to argue against it. The Chiefs are giving up 26.7 points per game to the, uh, to the position, uh, only conceding 90 carries, which is among the lowest in the league. But uh, they are also giving up 7.94 yards per target, which is the third highest in the league, which leads me to believe J.D. McKissick week. J.D. McKissick is going to be a flex start at this point right now. I think, uh, you know, he's kind of... Not quite Cordell Patterson, but he's definitely in the range of Cordell Patterson where his receiving work definitely puts him in the flex category. Yep. So still not not the top 10, but let's um, top to bottom. Was it only Aaron Jones that we're, we're bumping out for Joe Mixon? Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is taking the, uh, the L here. Works for me. There we go. All right, so let's move on to the wide receivers. Now, Devontae Adams, of course, number one, Tyreek Hill, who's uh, got an injured knee from what I've heard. Going against Washington, another phenomenal matchup. Stefan Diggs. Now, I know you said he was going to be disappointing this year. I agreed with it, but I didn't think it would be that bad. It's unfortunately that bad. And Cooper Cup is going to be number four. Uh, I know you wanted to say a quick little lap of victory right there. I'll let you have that moment. No, no, no. Run, run. No, I was going to say just run the list. We can talk about Diggs once we get to the end. Okay, okay. So Cooper Cup number four, Justin Jefferson at five, DJ Moore at number six, Hopkins at number seven. Dropping down the list at a number eight, Harry McLaurin, Jamar Chase at nine, and Mike Williams at 10. And man, my how the mighty have fallen when it comes to wide receivers. You're seeing people drafted in the ninth, 10th round in this top 10 now on a consistent basis. I mean, you're not seeing Keenan Allen anymore. You're not seeing Godwin. You're not seeing Mike Evans. You're not seeing Amari Cooper. There's no AJ Brown in this top 10. There's no there's no, there's no Robert Woods, there's no Brandon Cooks, there's no Thielen, no Higgins, no Boyd, no Chris Godwin, I mentioned him, Deontay Johnson, there's no DK Metcalf. We're getting the no-names right now in this top 10. And I shouldn't call them no-names, but people that you definitely wouldn't expect. I didn't expect DJ Nawardry to be in the top 10. I didn't expect Jamar Chase to be top 10. I didn't expect Mike Williams, of all people, being in the top 10. So right away, is there anybody that's not going to be in this top 10? Well... Let me let me circle all the way back. Okay. Uh, and 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 work away. So there are in the top thirty six wide receivers this week. There are only three that I would not be comfortable starting in my team. That shows you the depth of position. Why zero RB or not, you could have you could have waited on receiver this year. We talked about it all off season, and, and I think that's sort of bearing fruit. But let's get to the the top ten here and a couple of matchups I don't like. And we'll we'll start with Diggs. But I I'm. I'm almost thinking Diggs is a bit of a buy low. He's been okay without being spectacular. Uh, his PPR numbers was 16 week one, 16 week two, 12 week three, 18 week four, and nine last week. I would say Diggs is a buy low because basically every secondary metric that you look for and that air yards, air yards per snap, percentage of targets, team percentage of air yards, ADOT, drop rate, they are, he is like in the top. 90th plus percentile for all of those stats, which leads me to believe he's playing well. He's just not getting the ball. He's actually got a deeper average depth of target, seeing more air yards than last year. I think I'm comfortable with how Josh Allen's playing. So I'd almost say that Stefan Diggs is a buy candidate at this point. He's getting the targets. He's getting the yards. He's not getting the touchdowns. That's and true. And Dawson Knox 
Dawson Knox's resurgence, and I shouldn't call it a resurgence, a revival. I shouldn't call it that either. Just a emergence, if you will. Yeah, but there we are. There we are. Good word. A little four-syllable word for you. His emergence has taken away from Stefan Diggs. And we also, we have to talk about our boy Emmanuel Sanders just being an absolute beast, especially in the red zone. Also taking away touchdowns. You would think in this offense, the way they pass the ball, the way they're efficiently scoring touchdowns, that there, there is enough for everybody to eat. Kind of like the Chiefs in a way with, of course, Hill, Kelsey, and then CH. But right now, Stefan Diggs is the one eating the least. Yeah. It's almost like he's getting clamped down on and so other guys are getting opportunity. That's the that's the easiest way to call it at this point. Right now, I think Emmanuel Sanders just has a lot of trust in the red zone, the way he's just kind of chucking it. Josh Allen is just chucking it up. The way Dawson Knox is getting open in the red zone, it deserves, of course, his red zone targets and those touchdowns. It's not like you can just automatically ignore that read and move on to Stefan Diggs just for the sake of hitting Stefan Diggs at this point. I mean, everybody's open, and uh, I'm not sure Stefan Diggs is the one that's getting open in the red zone. Yep, agreed. So all of that being said, no team is conceding more points to wide receivers than the Titans, and that's who the Bills are playing. Okay, so we're still leaving Stefan Diggs in the top 10. I'm comfortable with, well, I can't see too many names. Who, who's pushing him out? Let's let's work backwards here. I like Deontay Johnson. We've got DK Metcalf at 11. Yeah, Deontay Johnson versus Seattle is interesting. That is interesting to me. I think if you can make the argument for Mike Williams, you can make the argument for Keenan Allen. Uh, that being one of those Chargers receivers will go off. Williams has been touchdown dependent, big play dependent, but he's also been awesome. I see Marlon Humphreys going on Keenan Allen. Yep. I don't think he goes on Mike Williams. Yeah, that's fair. And because of that, I think my Mike Williams will have a bigger day than Keenan Allen. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly been, he's been, he's the threat. And I think a good coach like Harbour is going to be shutting down the threat rather than the name, which is maybe why they, they clue in a Williams. But I, it's, it's hard to say. That's, it's going to be a difficult matchup, but it should be a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. It will be. Game of the week. It'll be a fun one. Now, I want to see Mike Evans against Philadelphia. I don't see a cornerback on that roster shutting down Mike Evans. Yeah. I think you could make a case for Godwin, Evans, or AJ Brown this, uh, AJ, AJ Brown, Antonio Brown this week. Uh-huh. for Tampa Bay. And I think that's the issue is it could be any of them. They've all got that potential, but maybe they all cannibalize each other. Exactly. Now, speaking of AJ Brown, he's going against Buffalo. That is not a good matchup. Buffalo secondary looks very strong right now. Absolutely. Um, Tredavious White, excellent player. Uh, we will know that Tennessee will have to throw. Tannehill doesn't look good. They're missing Arthur Smith. Yeah, I think it was expected that they would miss Arthur Smith a little bit. It's a little bit more extreme than I anticipated that they miss Arthur Smith. Yeah, Arthur miss. That's not anything. Oof, that's rough. So Robert Woods right now, he's 23. <laughs> Robert Woods is 23 on this list right now. And he's going against the Giants, just like Cooper Cup is, of course. Yep. There's a significant difference between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I think that needs to shrink a little bit. Yeah, I think they could be close together. But uh, I suppose it remains to be seen whether Woods' performance was an aberration or whether he's sort of back to being part of the main uh, rotation there. I think there needs to be a little bit more balance. I think Cooper Cup, he didn't do as well as everyone hoped. And Robert Woods, of course, took the shine on that. I think there's going to be a little bit more of a balance where there is going to be an in-betweeny now, I think defense has kind of started ignoring Robert Woods and they needed this kind of game from him in order to show that, hey, you need to worry about Robert Woods. And I think now they're going to go back to their originally scheduled game plan of kind of just picking apart defenses with pretty much ease. Now, you're looking at, you mentioned the top 36 and there's only about two, three players that you would not feel comfortable starting. And I, while you said that, I kind of looked at it myself and I'm kind of also in the same boat right as you. And right now, let me read off the people on the bottom of the top 36. 
We see Jalen Waddle. Actually, I'm not comfortable starting him. No, I don't want him. Yes, I, I agree with your fart noise. Call, it, call him Jaden Waddle, because when you shit your pants, that's how you get to the toilet. Not bad, not bad. I like that one. Jacob Myers, or Jacoby Myers, sorry. Still can't find the end zone. Yeah, yeah, there we go. He, he never will. <laughs> Odell Beckham against Arizona. He's Odell Beckham. Yeah. I mean, pro- that's more name than game, but he's. we saw two weeks ago he was sort of inches away from big players. That'll be a, that'll be a shootout. I could see him. Although he didn't get too many points this week in, in their shootout with the Chargers, I could see him. Uh, he see him having a big game. The name that jumped out to me that I wasn't... Emmanuel Sanders, if you believe in digs, I think you're asking what that production would be. Are you comfortable with Emmanuel Sanders as a, a big play threat? Jalen Waddle, and I know your distaste for Marvin Jones, but I think he might have potential for a big game this week anyway. I'm not optimistic on anybody on Jaguars. And uh, yes, that's going to have to go with LaVisca Chenault, <laughs> who had his first reception in the fourth quarter of a game. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it, it was a nice couple of stiff arms. It looked good. But, yeah. you know, if they're not if they're not going to find a way to get him the ball on a consistent basis, then I can't trust somebody like him. Right now, Kadarius Tony, he's number 38 on the list. If he plays, I would have to shoot him up a little bit higher. Even though he is going against the Rams, I would still have to shoot him up a little bit higher. Depending on, of course, if Danny Dimes plays. If he plays, then I feel like you got to find a way to put Kadarius Tony in your lineup. I uh, I, th- I totally agree. I'm about to make a, uh, a crazy statement. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that the actual numbers backed it up. Okay. All right. Well, I say crazy. We sort of circle all the way back, taking plays out of the top 10. I'm taking Jamar Chase out this week. I don't think Detroit necessarily bad against the pass. I could see Cincinnati running the ball. Could easily be T. Higgins. Could easily be Tyler Boyd. I know Chase is the fancy name, but I think he's out of the top 10 for me this week. And I want to replace him with C.D. Lamb against the Patriots. I think J.C. Jackson will probably get... Oh, sorry, I should say Amari Cooper against the Patriots. I think J.C. Jackson will get Lamb, uh, which leaves... Um, whatever his name is, the quick guy uh, who keeps getting exploited in coverage on Amari Cooper. And I think we could see a big game from Amari Cooper. You misspelled his name. It's CD's nuts, not CD's lamb. (laughs) Um, But close enough. I'm taking Hopkins off of this list. Yeah. I don't see him being in the top 10. And uh, minus one phenomenal reception against the Niners, he really didn't do that much against uh, what was considered a pretty bad secondary. So I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins off this list, considering he I think Cleveland's secondary is a little bit better than the Niners. And I think their defense as a whole might be a little bit better than the Niners. And uh, I'm taking Hopkins out and I'm putting in Deontay Johnson. I'm going to take Mike Williams off this list and I'm going to put Mike Evans. For mine, I am, I'm taking off Justin Jefferson because I think it might be a Thielen game against Carolina. I have no real thought, no real evidence to back that up. Just a, just got a, a feeling in me waters, as they say. Okay. I'm taking off Jamar Chase. I'm leaving Williams. And I'm replacing one Amari Cooper in that top 10. I think it's going to be Amari or CD's nuts, uh, but I'm going to pin my colors to the Amari mask. And for the same reasons you like Deontay Johnson, I'm going to say Chase Claypool because I think he finds the end zone a couple of times. Now with Juju being gone for the rest of the season, I do think Chase Claypool is a huge go out and grab candidate or a must start candidate. I think Chase Claypool, while he is right now ranked 20th on the list, he has entered must-start range to wide receiver one to two range right now on your lineup. You have to find a way to put him in. Yep, totally agree. One name that I am also interested in, and he's going to be in your roster. We should be in your roster week after week after week, and that is Brandon Cooks. They are Houston are playing the Colts. Colts are giving up the 
third most yards per target to wide receivers. They've given up the most touchdowns to wide receivers. We saw Cooks get shut down last week by JC Jackson or or maybe Jonathan Jones, uh, maybe a bit of both. But I like Davis Mills. If you didn't watch that uh, Patriots-Houston game, I could understand why you wouldn't because it was boring as batshit. But Davis Mills looked good. He made some good passes. Yes, there were some broken plays, but give me some Brandon Cooks this week. Don't think he's top 10, but I think he's potentially top 15. Now, of course, I feel like you should not have started Brandon Cooks last week. He's going against the Patriots. Patriots always do a phenomenal job against the number one target for uh, whichever team they're going against. So Brandon Cooks, I feel like, should have been an automatic must-sit, in my opinion. I feel like if you did start him, um, should have known better. Shame on you. (laughs) I had no other option. No, I I had many other options. I, I believe in Brandon Cooks. Oof. You know what? I I do believe in Brandon Cooks. I just believe in Belichick a little bit more. And <laughs> that's fair. They shut him the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Michael Pittman. I'm looking at him. He's number 28. Yep. I'm looking at Michael Pittman, and he's going against Houston, and that's very intriguing. It, it is intriguing. Um, the Texans aren't as bad at, as we said. They're a feisty, frisky defense. Uh huh. So Pittman would be interesting. Again, he's a guy a hundred hundred yards, two touchdowns could easily see it happening. There's a bunch of those out there. I think that's that's the thing about this top 36 list is you could see any of these guys having a big week and that's the beauty of the, this position. I mean, look slightly further, Marquise Brown. You could see him blowing up against the Chargers, a couple of big plays, that's all it takes. Michael Pittman's obviously getting that volume. Uh-huh. Now, after the 36, mm. I feel like there is a significant drop-off. I mean, LaVisco, like I mentioned, he's 37, Kadarius 38, and then, I mean, if I want to drop down all the way to 50, you get Nelson Aguilar. So, I mean, <laughs> this is where you start getting to the Hunter Renfro, the Cole Beasleys, the Darnell Mooney, Henry Ruggs, Tim Patrick type of situation. Now, in Mooney's that sense, Mooney, Darnell Mooney, yes, yeah, yeah. I like him against Green Bay. I think Allen Robinson is going to start, actually, ooh, I don't know if, Alexander Jair Alexander is playing. If he is, I expect him to be on Allen Robinson, who is incredibly struggling and playing very poorly at that right now. I think Darlene O'Moody is a relatively solid flex and start at this point. I don't have phenomenal amount of confidence in him. I trust somebody like Tim Patrick more. I start I trust Rondell Moore more. <laughs> I trust Hunter Renfro more. But you could do worse than Darnell Mooney. If you are absolutely gagging to start a Patriots player this week, Kendrick Bourne. Yes. It's 58th. Yes, I like Kendrick Bourne. They are playing the Buccaneers. Bucks have given up a lot of points to wide receivers this year. And uh, if you are absolutely needing a ceiling play, what about Quez Watkins at 57th overall? You know, you can. You can. I mean, this is bye weeks where you're like, well, my the choice is either Adam Humphreys and get four for 40, or I can swing for the fences and maybe get like two for 80. It does not fill me with confidence putting somebody like Quez Watkins oh, in my shit, starting man. lineup. I feel like you could do better before you can get there. I feel like I feel like you can find Jalen Rieger on waivers and put him on there. I feel like you can find Van Jefferson on waivers or Nicole Hardman, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Cole Beasley. You know the names I've mentioned earlier, but it, it's difficult for you to justify putting Quez Watkins in your starting lineup. Yeah, that's fair. I um I wouldn't feel full of confidence. In fact, I don't even think I have him in any of my rosters. I don't think bye weeks are bad enough just yet. No, this is there's only what six teams on bye this week. Yeah, I feel, I feel like you could do worse. No, maybe even four. So run through you, the changes in your top ten, and then we can move on and talk about quarterbacks. Okay, so let's see. We're taking uh, for me as I scroll up. We're taking out DeAndre Hopkins, and we're putting in Deontay Johnson, and we're taking out Mike Williams, and I'm putting in Mike Evans. Yep, and uh, restate for me was taking out Jefferson. I'm taking out Chase, and I'm putting in Amari Cooper slash CD Lamb, CD's nuts, or and Chase Claypool. 
Uh-huh. Now, AJ Brown, I mentioned it earlier. He's 18th on the list. You're not sitting him? He's on notice. Yeah. He, he, he's somebody you're expecting a very disappointing performance for. If you have a phenomenal wide receiving core, you should probably try to leave him out of your starting lineup. But unfortunately, you probably don't have better options. So guess what? You're putting him in your starting lineup. We talked a couple of weeks ago that I thought he was a buy-low candidate and I was going to do it. I am waiting for after this week to try and get AJ Brown. Yeah, that would be a solid, solid tool right there. I mean, while Derrick Henry's still killing it out there, that pass offense, like you mentioned, is not nearly as strong as it used to be. Now, in the tight ends, let's try to move on a little bit and not waste everybody's time. In the tight ends, we got Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Mandrews, I hate you so much, TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox, Gusecki, Noah Fant, Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, God, this is disgusting, Hunter Henry at number Ten, God, that was so disappointing to say after Mark Andrews. All right, so, wow, this is disappointing to look at. This is like looking at depression right now, straight in the eyes. There's, there's one obvious one for me that needs to be in this top 10, and that's Zach Ertz. Like Philadelphia against the Bucks, Dallas Goddard is not there. I think Ertz has probably looked okay this year. He's not the Zach Ertz that he once was, but he looks better than last year, and he's the best pass catcher on that team. Maybe save... Devonta Smith, but give me Zach Ertz as potential top six quarterback this week. Uh, and I think the Dawson Knox emergence comes to an end this week. Are you taking Dawson Knox out of the top 10? I am going to take out Dawson Knox for sure. Okay. I am going to take out... I'm going to take out Dawson Knox for sure for Zach Ertz. And I'm going to take out TJ Hawkinson for Cameron Brait on Thursday night. I don't want to see TJ Hawkinson in my top 10. I just can't find anybody else I'd rather not have. He's been filth since that first week, uh, that first two games. Uh-huh. I'm looking at Evan Ingram, out of all people. Yep. If he is fit, uh, very few other players on the Giants are, and that is of interest to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram. I, I, know, I know there's one rule in life, and one rule in fantasy football, is don't trust Evan Ingram ever. Yeah. I think I might break that rule. Yep. As long as you can live with the dropped passes. But um, now I've got it up in front of me. And also TJ Hawkinson's stats. First two weeks, 23.7, 20.6 week two. And then he went three points, eight points, four points. Cincinnati fifth best against tight ends. No thank you, TJ Hawkinson. TJ, not in my lineups. And that's not anything either. The problem is, is you're probably starting TJ Hawkinson regardless. I don't think you have a better option. You spent the capital. You spent too much draft capital on TJ Hawkinson. You, you, you're, he's kind of... I don't want to say the Antonio Gibson for tight ends because Antonio Gibson has been playing pretty decently. I will give him that. He has been scoring his touchdowns. He has been getting his touches. And that offense looks pretty good to the point where you feel pretty confident he's going to be at least put in a position to score. TJ Hawkinson is uh, a lot worse than that. Yep. In fact, drop out TJ Hawkinson. Yes. And along with Zach Ertz. Okay. I'm going to say in a revenge game, Ricky Seals-Jones, the Washington football team tight end against Kansas City, mm-hmm. is a top 10 tight end this week. How do you feel about Tunyon? I have no interest in him this year. I think this is exactly what I expected to happen to him. I, I didn't expect it to be this bad. I expected him to get a little bit more. He was so overly efficient, overly productive last year. There was always going to be regression. You're probably right. I wasn't expecting it to be this bad, but this is why... I was happy to stay away from him when he was the tight end on the board and, and look for other options. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. Like, yes, I feel like you should have anticipated regression, especially touchdown regression. I expected them to, to scheme him a little bit more in that offense, a little bit more in the middle, in the intermediate, in the middle of the fields, 
type of passes. I wanted to see a little bit more George Kittle in him because, I mean, he, he looks kind of like an identical George Kittle in a way. Yep. To the point where they dress almost the exact same. Uh, I, I am disappointed in Robert and Tanya. Yeah, they're, they're sort of weirdly Jason. I'm just looking up stats for a guy here though, who I think might actually have some relevance mo ali cox against houston i am semi-interested in that but not enough to put in my starting line david njoku against arizona i think he's he's played um a bit more receiver than he has tight end he's still lining up in tight a lot but there's not really too many pass catches on the browns interesting i could go with that i could uh if somebody picked up david njoku and put him in the starting lineup i wouldn't be too upset at it yeah, that goes without saying. A guy who I think is one of our favorites on this show, I could be speaking out of school slightly, but a guy who's actually won me money the past two weeks by getting into the end zone. It's Donald Parham Jr., as they pronounce it. He scored touchdowns the last two weeks. He had one taken off the board the week before. He's very athletic for a guy his size. They are trying to feed him the ball, and that offense is productive. Jared Cook is obviously the main man there, but he is Donald Parham is a guy to watch down the stretch. So interesting. What a weird name. And every single time he catches a pass, I think, oh, great. Yes, I started Jared Cook. Points. <laughs> and then I know I don't see my points go up. And then I go, oh, wow. It's the backup. That, that's because it's the big ham. Yeah. What, what, what did I say? He was like, like a pig playing golf, Donald Parham. Pig playing golf. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you lost me on that analogy. Because par being a golf term. Oh, oh, ham. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. There we are. I got, I got you. So, got you. I, I don't think the golfing pig is going to be in the top 10 this week, but I've enjoyed no. watching his emergence. So, who are you taking out of this top 10? Is it just Hawkinson, Knox? Is anyone else feeling the fickle finger of fate from you here? Dan- Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. doesn't give me confidence. The problem is, is you got to replace him. And, uh, you know, much like, good. yeah, much like head coaches, you know, you got to find a better one first before you get rid of the one you have. And while I don't value Dalton Schultz very highly, uh, I, can't, I can't find anybody better than him. Yeah. Well, I think Schultz has been okay. Maybe Higby against the Giants if you wanted to squeeze in Evan Engram. Yeah, but still, I still trust Higby on that offense a lot more than I do. Somebody like Rakeel sees Jones, Evan Ingram, Tanyan, Conklin, Cook, Earths. I still trust them more. Well, given tight end is such a shit show, let's talk about specifically the top five. Okay. And who are you replacing in there? And that's just to- Hawkinson and Knox. TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson. I-, I-, I could leave Hawk in there. I feel like that offense is too efficient. Yep. And Gasicki, Noah Fant, Zach Ertz, anyone like that coming in? I don't like Gasecki and I don't like Font. So I, ju- I just can't find a replacement. <laughs> I, I, I would rather I'd rather start Noah Fant than Zach Ertz. I would rather start Noah Fant than Raquel Sees, Tunyon, Evan Ingram, John U. Smith, Dan Arnold, Austin Hooper, stuff like that, Mo Ali Cox. So I feel like Noah Fant needs to stay there. Mike Gasecki against Jacksonville. The matchup is just too nice for me to steer away from Gasecki. Yes, I agree. I think Gasecki has potential to be the wide receiver, uh, the tight end one this week. But for me, see you later, Hawkinson. See you later, Knox. In, into that top five, I'm going to say Gasecki and Fant. But obviously into the top 10, I'm very keen on Zach Ertz as well this week. Now, if Jimmy Garoppolo... He, he's not going to play. George Kittle is not going to play because no, no. Uh, he's on IR. I think a lot of people should be looking at Ross Dwelly, the backup tight end for the Niners, that they are soon to have a tight end on bye week, that he would be a phenomenal plug-and-play starter. Tell me about Ross Dwelly. Well, even while 
being a backup, he's still seeing snaps onto the field. He had one against the Seahawks, ended up catching, I believe, a 22-yard touchdown. Big-bodied guy, basically a less athletic George Kittle, I'd say, or less monster-ish. Yep. George Kittle, if that makes sense, without the the, the aggressiveness and the uh, the playmaking ability, but with you know when you're a tight end on a Shanahan offense, that seeing the field and with a quarterback that is uh, less than stellar, whether it is Trey Lance or Garoppolo right now, I think uh, the tight end is always a nice safety blanket to have on that team. Yep, I agree. And for those of you interested in how the golfing pig has been going, as we put a bow on the tight ends, nine point seven and ten point nine points the last two weeks, two for seventeen, two for twenty nine, both with a touchdown. Now, as I say, he had one taken off the board the week before, so that would have been three weeks in a row with the score. So one to watch on a, on a good offense. Mm-hmm. All right, and now the quarterbacks, last but not least, Josh Allen. Let's try to wrap this one up before we take up everybody's time. Patrick Mahomes, number two, Kyler Murray at three, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, and then last but not least, Aaron Rodgers. All righty, so I don't think we're arguing the top five. We can argue the order, but I, I, th- I think the top five is staying how it is. Josh Allen, Patrick, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, right? Yep. Okay. We, we're in agreement on that. Now we got Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford. That's six through nine. And we might as well include Aaron Rodgers in there. Are you taking anybody in? For me, the only one is potentially Stafford. Stafford. But the re- the replacements are Burrow, Darnold. You know what? I'm going to go out and say it's Trevor Lawrence is a top 10 quarterback this week. Matthew Stafford is not. Okay. I would like to say Joey Burrow is a top 10 quarterback. I'm mm. saying Aaron Rodgers against Chicago is not. Actually, I probably shouldn't do that. Aaron Rodgers has historically absolutely demolished. He's uh, owned Chicago in a way that uh, Al Capone wishes he ever could. Taylor Heineke against the Chiefs interests me. If he can protect the ball, he does a bit with, the, does a bit with his legs, can air it out, might find the end zone a couple of times. I could see it. I just couldn't find a way to... I don't have the balls to start Taylor Heineke. How about that? I might, but only because he's a bi-week fill-in. But this is why you have Taylor Heineke on your roster, is because he's a bi-week fill-in. You pick him up at the start of the season, you go, I don't need a quarterback, but ah, you do. So for me, I think the only change is Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying that with too much conviction, but I I think this could be the Lawrence breakout game. Uh Uh-huh. I think this could be a good game for him. I definitely do not disagree with starting him. I think I would rather start somebody like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins over him. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the safety play, isn't it? Uh-huh. For those guys. Now, I do feel like I need to mention if you have Ryan Tannehill, you're not starting him against Buffalo. Yep. Yeah, I just kind of want to make sure. You know, if we're saying, you know, you might want to stay away from A.J. Brown, I think we have to fairly say to stay away from Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I would start Taylor Haneke over Ryan Tannehill. Are we in agreement there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about Geno Smith? That's interesting. Against the, the P- Pittsburgh. I don't think he's potentially top 10, but he's kind of, I think he's got him ranked as the QB 25. I think he's better than that. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Right now, Daniel Jones is at 22. If he plays, I'd rather start Daniel Jones. Yep. I, I would rather start Geno Smith over Teddy Bridgewater. What about Goff? Yes. Geno Smith over them. Justin Fields? Yes. Yeah, so I think that sort of 15 to 20 range is about right for Gino. Yeah. But with those weapons around him, he just needs Lockett or Metcalf to go off for a couple of big players, protect the ball. Yeah, which I think uh, suits his skill set. Yeah. Uh, what about Ryan Tannehill? Would you rather start Gino over Tannehill? Probably not, but only because I don't have the balls to do it. Yeah, uh, I would, as of my rankings, I have not set them yet. I would set Geno Smith probably right next to Ryan Tannehill. At that point, it's do I have the balls to take out Ryan Tannehill and put a Geno Smith in? 
What do you make of Big Ben this week? We saw him play his best game of the season last week. They're playing Seattle. Do you think we could see another decent performance from Big Ben? I think his top top 10 days are behind him. But, well, we both like a Pittsburgh receiver this week. That's always good news for the quarterback. Uh-huh. I like I like both Pittsburgh receivers, whether that's Claypool and Deontay. Yeah, you can, you can definitely start Ben Roethlisberger. You definitely can. Uh, I have a hard time. He's kind of in the Ryan Tannehill, Chino Smith area. Yep. But you could definitely do it. Yeah. Seattle's a good matchup. Bywick fill-in. I'd go for it. Yep. Yeah, it works for me. So for you, the only change... Well, did you just have the one Stafford out and... Joey Burrow. Uh, Joey Burrow coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Stafford out, Joey Burrow in. Burrow... I think he's a good candidate, Heineke, but I think we're going to see Trevor Lawrence sell some jerseys in London this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to agree there. Right now, I looked at people's quarterbacks in leagues, especially 10-team leagues, are a little bit different than 12-team leagues because you usually only roster one quarterback. And I made a mistake in a draft. I drafted Lamar Jackson, and later on, the auto pick took Matthew Stafford. So now I'm in ownership of two top 10 quarterbacks. I can't really trade either one. I'm kind of in a limbo where I know I'm not going to get the value I want for Lamar Jackson. I don't want to trade Lamar Jackson. I'd rather I keep him, but I know I'm not going to get much value for Matthew Stafford. And I don't want to drop him also because I think he's too good to drop. Can you ride through the bye weeks until they both had their bye and then and then drop? You know, I did not check their bye weeks. I did not check their bye weeks. That's actually a good uh, a good thing. I mean, because if they, they if they have the same bye week, then you may as well get rid of one of them now. But if it's staggered or something like that, uh-huh. you do that, then you get rid of them. I mean, you're always running the risk with injury. I would be trying to trade Stafford if he has a couple of good games. Yeah, right now, okay, I just checked. Matthew Stafford has a bye week at week eight. Lamar Jackson has a bye week at week eight. Uh, sorry, sorry. Lamar Jackson, bye week at week eight. Matthew Stafford, bye week on week 11. Uh, that's a killer. That's post-trade deadline, I think. Yeah. I think you hold Stafford and drop him for the playoff playoff push. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you would be correct there. Right now, in that league, I am three and one. I think it's only been... Four and one, sorry. I'm four and one in that league. So, I mean, at this point, I feel like I am kind of sitting in a decent spot to the point where I can start throwing and shooting trade offers at people to see what sticks and what hits. But I don't think I'm going to realistically find a trade suitor that wants Matthew Stafford. No, tough to trade quarterbacks in one QB leagues. No, exactly. It is. It is. I know. I know there isn't too much of a difference when you start looking at QB 10 to the waiver wire QB. So, I'm going to have to agree with you there. So do you not have anything major to add on to the QBs? Absolutely nothing whatsoever. I think that's pretty well spot on. As we talked about the running backs, you can juggle around the order, but I'd be surprised if, if that is not the top 10. Uh-huh. All righty. So, hey, two-minute drill. Let's get started. Two-minute drill. Right. I'll get the clock on and you can tell me what you're looking forward to this week. All right, so starting off in the teams of two and three, we got the Kansas City Chiefs last in their division, laughing stock of football. Oh my God, should they blow up and rebuild? Yeah, why not? Because it'd be funny. Against the Washington football team, I think that's going to be a fun game for everybody to watch. I think this might be a secret shootout for everybody to go against. I know you're definitely going to be starting your McLaurins. You're definitely going to be starting your Antonio Gibsons. And we talked about, you could definitely start your Taylor Henneke. While the beer might be piss, his play has not I think the Chiefs are still, of course, going to absolutely dominate this game, but I think it'll be a fun one to watch. And I think this one's going to be a real flex shooter right here. Arizona Cardinals 5-0, the last undefeated team against the Cleveland Browns that are 3-2. and two. Now, you, you discussed about how OBJ was disappointing. I just want to know how you score 42 points and not get OBJ involved in any of them. I think he comes back with another bounce-back game, and I think they might actually take one against the Arizona Cardinals. I think a lot of 
teams kind of looked at the Niners and said they have no chance. And when they kind of almost brought themselves back into the game and had a chance to win, I think a lot of teams now realize the Cardinals might not just be that good. And I think that is going to be a fun one. And then I think we're going to have to talk about the Seattle Seahawks and Pittsburgh Steelers. Also a battle of the two and threes where we're going to see a nice shootout in both of those games. Even though Geno Smith is the quarterback, I still expect a pretty decent performance from both quarterbacks. Still got 30 seconds if you want to add anything. 30 seconds. I could do a lot in 30 seconds. Alrighty, let's talk about Monday Night Football Buffalo Bills against the Tennessee Titans. I think this is going to be another phenomenal matchup that we are seeing in our Monday Night slots. I mean, who doesn't want to watch the Buffalo Bills right now? Nobody. Everybody wants to watch the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> who wants to watch the Tennessee Titans? Uh, you know, that might be questionable on everybody's end, except Derrick Henry owners. Derrick Henry owners, they're going to want to see this matchup and they're going to like this matchup. I think Derrick Henry has a phenomenal game against the Buffalo Bills. That's some real Andy Reid clock management from you. Thank there. you. That's Thank fine. You. You know, I right, so obvi- <laughs> obvious game of the week is the Chargers at Ravens. That's the early kickoff on Sunday. I cannot wait to watch this game. I'm hoping for an, a, a march up and down the field, basketball-style score from this game. Um, these, As far as I'm concerned, it's Herbert, Jackson, and Allen uh, with Kyler Murray as the, the four MVP candidates. Uh, Herbert is looking a million bucks, and I am really hoping uh, that this is going to live up to the hype. I really like Eckler this week. I like Mike Williams this week. And as you say, uh, Keenan Allen is maybe not one for uh, this week if he gets locked down by Marlon Humphrey. And of course, we have the golfing pig as well, as we talked about going for his third touchdown in three weeks. Another game that I think could be interesting is going to be the two and three Minnesota Vikings at the three and two Panthers. The Vikings are better than their record. I don't think the Panthers are as good as their record. Sam Donald came down to earth uh, last week uh, with Christian McCaffrey still missing. Trooper Hubbard, I liked, and I think if McCaffrey's out, you can start Hubbard as a flex. As we talked about, if either Cook is out, then Alexander Madison should have a good game. I wouldn't start Madison if Cook is starting, uh, but I, I also don't feel confident starting Cook. Do feel like this can be a an Adam Thielen game, potentially a couple of touchdowns. Nine receiving touchdowns in the last nine games on the road. To put a bow on it, but the one and four Texans, the one and four Colts. I think Houston looked decent for some of the game against New England. They sort of shot themselves in the foot in the second half. Davis Mills played really well, his best game of his career so far. And I think the Texans are going to get their second win of the season here. And as I said, um, Trevor Lawrence is going to sell a lot of jerseys this week, but I think Miami keeps them winless just up the road from me in North London. Alrighty, so of course that's gonna have to wrap up this two-minute drill. Procrastinations, might I add? You're getting closer each week. It's prognostications. So close, so close. I thought I had it. You're getting closer each week. So we are currently 0 and 11. We're yet to get one of these right. Nada, last week you said the Bills and Kansas City would combine for 110 plus points. They did not. I think they were maybe in the range of the mid 40s. I said Kyle Pitts would score three touchdowns with the tight end one this week. He scored one. I think he might have been the tight end two overall. So close, but close only counts with horseshoes and hand grenades, as we say every week, seemingly. So what have you got for me this week? Okay. I talked about Odell Beckham being extremely unimpressive. I think he's going to have a monster bounce back week. 
Not enough for me to kind of significantly put him in the top 10, but I think he's going to have a monster game of 10 catches, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Is that big enough? Yep. It was a, what did you say, Deontay Johnson? No, Odell Beckham. No, Odell Beckham. Was it 100 and plus and two touchdowns? Yeah, 140, 10 catches, two 140, touchdowns. 140, 10 catches, two touchdowns. I don't mind it. Okay. Let's see. You gave me thinking time and all I did was tune out. Same. Um, <laughs> let's let's go with it. And I think, you know, there is a degree of ballsiness predicting that Houston's going to win this week. That is kind of ballsy. I'm going to say that I suppose this is a subjective one and we can discuss it next week. Joe Burrow has the best game of his career. Higgins, Boyd, and Jamar Chase all have 100 receiving yards, all have a touchdown. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. That they go ham on the Detroit Lions. Wow. Poor Lions. I, I feel for the Lions. Like, the, did you see um, Dan Campbell's press conference where he was... Uh, was I did. That was... I mean, it's always tough watching a grown man cry, but I really felt for him. And I feel for the Lions. They've lost in some bullshit scenarios uh, so far this year. The team's got heart. You like to see it. Plucky underdog. I look at the team and I ask themselves, what do they need to be competitive? And right now, I think they need a pass rush. They need maybe a little bit better defense. And I don't think the offense is in too bad of a state to the point where you need to break down the offense. I think the offense can handle how it is. I think they need to really work on their defense to make it frustrating, difficult, and frightening to go against. But uh, right now, I'm looking at the Lions and I'm not exactly afraid of them. I'm almost tempted to use that classic. They've only got three problems, offense, defense, and special teams. But they, they really aren't that bad. They are, they're lacking talent. And they lack talent in every phase of the game, sadly. And that kills them week on week. They can play as a team all they want, but they don't really have that total up. Aside from maybe DeAndre Swift, they don't really have anyone who is potentially a walk-up starter on any other team. Oh, uh, Penny Sewell as well. Yeah, I don't think they have any game-breaking, game-changing type of players that could really go in and take over no they've got like they've got some nice nice players in their secondary but you're right there i'd like to see him get a win i don't want him to see him go oh and 17 jags on the other hand wouldn't piss on him if they were on fire but i, I don't want the, the lions to go oh and 17 the lions i don't want to see him go oh and 17 jaguars i really hope they go on 17 i just think it'd be funny at this point like their dreams are now memes and i'm all for it yep I'm with you, and I'll, I'll leave you with one before we uh, before we sign off and I head to bed. Which upset is most likely? Do you think this week? I'll give you Washington beating the Chiefs, Giants beating the Rams, the Texans beating the Colts. So I suppose that's a notional upset, or the the Eagles beating the Bucks. Here, you know, I'll answer your question. Uh, how about none of them, and I go Patriots beating the Cowboys. I, I think it's going to be a dirty day for the Patriots. I'm glad it's not on. Sunday night football, Monday night football. I wouldn't be staying up to watch that. I'll stay up till 1am to watch them, uh, watch a complete game. But this is, I think this is going to be very uncomfortable for everyone watching it. Although in saying that, I am happy with how Mac Jones is playing. It is not exciting. Alrighty. So, of course, that's going to have to wrap up this episode. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at TopTierTactics underscore. Of course, you want to, like we mentioned earlier, you want to be following the Sleeper Wire show for updates of any episodes, whether that's the great debate hosted by Sheehan, any Sleeper Wire dynasty episodes, any articles, news, or anything related to the podcast. But of course, Sheehan, where could everybody find you? Yeah, absolutely. Just before I say that, if you're not listening to Dynasty Wire, listen to it. it it's not as good as this show, obviously, but it, oh, okay. it's pretty good. It might be the best might be the best dynasty product out there as far as I'm concerned. 
Uh, I think Nick and Claire are doing an awesome job. But me, I am at Sheehan Solo, as always. That's S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. So come and see what we've got going on over there. Articles, podcasts, you name it, we've got it. You'll never miss a moment if you sleep a while wise. There we go. Other than that, good luck, everybody.